0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Can I give you a little bird watch update, Lorraine? Because you know how much I like my, my Swifts and my Goldfinches. If you must. <laughs> Patricia, well, I'm quite excited about this one. I don't know whether it will mean anything to you. We have a, uh, a visiting grey heron at the moment. Oh, they're enormous. They're enormous. And it, he, she, they have been coming and landing on the fence in the neighbour's garden at the back. Right. And just sort of sitting there in a very huge, grey, yellow, long beaked kind of a way. And it's quite sort of stunning in your little, you know,
2: postage stamp London background <laughs> it's to see. Like it's, something from The Lion King do well, well, you is. have I'll any more emotional. wild animals all, coming we, to the lagoon
0: well, <laughs> well we all stand and watch it for about five minutes and then it sort of seems to swoop I think somebody must have a pond and it's like uh, scooping out a, a little fish or a frog it, or something. it's not the
2: neighbors just <laughs> holding up a puppet behind the thing is it? it does actually move, doesn't A really it? Really good. Stop. I know it
0: does move. It does move with its big, huge beak. But yeah, <laughs> so that's my little uh, bird birdwatch update to add to the goldfinches
2: and the swifts. Thank you very much for that. Mm. We've got a really persistent fox that the oh, yes. dog has chased <laughs> through two gardens now. She has the, the fox, but obviously the fox is too fast for yes. my slightly tubby Welsh terrier. I can tell you, time she's got through the fence, she's got the oh. massive weight through the fence. Oh, it's she's gone. ripped the fence off. off. She has mm. done that. But I've got some sad green. Plant news. Oh, plant news, plant kingdom news. Now, do you remember I talked about the succulent that our neighbour in Queen had given us after his wife died? Because his wife had all of these succulent cuttings in the garden. Well, it's died. I can't. (gasps) I've tried really hard. I tried really (gasps) hard. That's about six months, isn't it? And you've killed yes. it. Yes. Oh dear.
1: Well, actually, you were worried aphids.
0: about it. The pressure, the pressure was pressure was
2: too much. Yeah, I wasn't up it alive. to it. And some mm. funny little white furry things were on it, and then mm. it, they crept up the stem, and Ooh, I I like tried stem all sorts, and then poor old succulent keeled over. Oh, oh! Um, I just shouldn't be in charge of that. Or no, to maybe it didn't like the transfer from Cornwall to London. I don't know what it did or didn't like, Trish, No, like you. You like you might failed. transfer. <laughs> yes, I like that. That was more of an escape, Trish, than a transfer. <laughs> escape from Cornwall. Welcome to Postcards, everyone. I'm so happy. To be back here again, Trish, with you all for some more chit chat about the highs and lows of midlife. Now, I'm winding down this week because we're about to go off on our half term holidays to Cornwall. Yes. Um, It has been very stressful. We've lived through one set of A level mocks, which, quite frankly, was. I think they were as exhausting for me as they were for my resident sixth former. Yeah. But can you imagine, though, in our our
0: previous lives, because February was a big month for us, wasn't it, when we were doing our glossy magazine edit a bit? Because um, never mind half term, we'd have been off to fashion weeks, London Fashion Week, Milan, Paris. It was always happening around that time, wasn't it? So so while the kids were at home with Mm. the dad, we were (laughs) off. gallivanting around the
2: fashion capitals we're not doing that anymore i know it's a strange thing i was thinking about this the other day because we did that for 15 years so we did oh, um, least, february yeah. yeah at least maybe more mm, than 15 more. years we yeah. did february and september so it's kind of woven into yes. our cycle into mm. you know nothing was planned i never had a february half term holiday we didn't go away we mm. couldn't because we weren't there for sort of four weeks well last Sunday though I was actually taking my instead of getting on the Eurostar with my giant bag of ridiculous shoes I was taking my 10-year-old to a party a week early. Mm. <laughs> a week early. Yes, poor no, old Mabel. You didn't. I did suited and booted. We turned oh. up at the door with the present and the mum, you some kind of trampoline situation, the mum asked oh. the door and her dressing down and said, "Hello. Are you here?" <laughs> But I wouldn't even have been doing
0: that. You wouldn't. Can I just check why? Because often they they do know when the parties are, the children, because they've been talking about them at school. There was no was it all down to you? There was no
2: no communication Mabel was between the children it. she was mute <laughs> okay. upon it and then very embarrassed cross with me Cross yeah. with you
0: it's all your fault yeah. Yeah, obviously well
2: fault. I
0: mean she does have a lot to put up with poor old Mabel oh, she does she? yeah let's face it I have to say I'm, I'm quite pleased to be having half term with family and not having to think of 21 outfits to wear that are never going to be fashionable enough for all those fashionable people so it's quite nice
1: really
2: yeah I don't really miss those days I mean no. I don't know I mean I miss a bit of the glamour and I miss my team but um... Um, it's that like a particular stage of life that you don't really anticipate coming to an end, do you? So you don't think, how will I deal with that when I'm not doing this in February for the rest of my life? It was sort of, I, I feel a bit like it upended me slightly to suddenly you know have a february stretching out yeah, in front of yeah. me without all those plans. yeah
0: i have to say seeing those pictures i won't be able to pronounce her name right caroline kazigari is that it yeah. monica royal riding a horse around the chanel show the other yes. day <laughs> that That's gave me thing. a little pang a little pang. A pang i was like i would have quite liked to have seen that would would, they, would it have made it round
2: without doing any business yeah i mean we floor. did see i think I, th- I think if you take the chanel shows which we are going to sound yeah. very ab fab and ridiculous yeah. now but there was the iceberg do you remember the iceberg, oh, they had an iceberg. iceberg yes flown in yes. and it was in the middle of the grand oh palais and it was yes. freezing when we went in. yes there was the globe the globe that was from the
0: floor to the ceiling yeah of the grand palais 100. there was the full supermarket the chanel supermarket, supermarket. where every item on the shelves was yeah Chanel made for Chanel. It was That's just massive, unbelievable, wasn't it? And there was a and rocket the, ship. Um, the
2: rocket, but I like the big boat, the cruise Titanic liner <laughs> they had. Where that you remember, we went to the show and then we went to a party on the boat. afterwards <laughs> It was quite madness.
0: People will think we're making this up.
2: Where did they? Where did they all go? I they wonder, must. Have, I think they have
0: some massive, big warehousing situation somewhere in regional France where they store it all, <laughs> and it will come out again one day in a museum when they do a big museum
2: retrospective maybe we'll get an invite i don't Wait, know just worth pointing out to all our new listeners that paris fashion week that february one that we mm. always had was the epiphany moment for us i just oh, want to yes, remind you of, course, of this trish, yes because um trish and i used to go to dinner dear listeners at the end of every paris fashion week and say this is ridiculous aren't we ridiculous we're very tired we can't wait to get home shall we drink two bottles of wine um and then we would have dinner and, and at the last one the last fashion yes. week we went to that february we had dinner mm. and said why all these things that we are experiencing why don't we do a podcast about it yes yes <laughs> um and, that's and we, weren't how it talk, we weren't talking about the fashion experience we we're talking about the menopause no. experience.
1: Exactly. Well, menopause
2: experience clear yes but anyway trish we will always have paris as they say Mm. and today on the show we've got a little bit of kenya too do you see that what i did there that is a radio link we are almost (laughs) professional now one day (laughs) one day our glamorous guest today is dialing in from africa I know, this is a first,
0: a postcard from Midlife First. Yes, we'll be talking to the amazing businesswoman and wellness expert, Liz Earle. Uh, we're going to be picking her brains about transformation and change as well. And she's actually just gone through a big change, hasn't yeah. she? She's sold Quite the a house where she brought up her five children after divorcing her husband in her mid-50s. And she's going to be talking to us about that. And we're also going to be asking her how to live and eat well during your midlife years, because we're saying that Liz is the original uh,
2: wellness expert before Gwyneth. Paltrow and Goop came on the scene. Yeah, she absolutely is. And I can't wait because Liz really is kind of that font of all knowledge when it Mm. comes to midlife wellness. And it's all based in science, um, which might differentiate her from (laughs) Gwyneth as well. Um, She's dialing in from Kenya where she's had a house for, I think, over 16 years and she runs several Mm.
0: charities there. She does. But before we
2: find out how to live
0: forever with Liz, hopefully, um, we've got our Culture Club, our first one of 2022. So I think we should get
2: going on that. Welcome to Culture Club, everyone. Now, before we start with our new recommendations, I'm going to make a public service announcement on behalf of the women of Gen X, because this has delighted me. Now, if you haven't watched Channel 4's Spice Girls, How Girl Power Changed Britain... You've got to watch it. You've got to binge on it. It is such a 90s flashback. It's like the perfect mm-hmm. Nostalgia Noodle. They follow them from 1994, from when they first mm-hmm. auditioned. I mean, and in that audition, Davina McCall is interviewing um, oh. auditioning for a TV oh, programme, oh, one of oh, our yeah. favourite guests. And I heard about the show because mm-hmm. I was listening to Shappi Khorisandi on mm-hmm. Woman's Hour, and she's got a tour actually now called It Was The 90s. And again, listen to that because it really takes you back to that time when we were all kind of, you know, we would just come out of our teenage years, we were just starting our careers. It's such a hopeful thing, that documentary, mm-hmm. because they really did take control of everything themselves. Jerry mm-hmm. is phenomenal in it, actually. Um, That's my top tip to you all. Oh, and do you remember Four. when
0: we had Kate Thornton on the podcast, because she was yes. the editor of Smash Hits at that time, So, and she talked and about them coming in, Nikki Chapman worked with them. It's all mm-hmm. linking up, isn't it? It's like
2: one big we virtuous treat. circle. We're at the centre of everything. Epicentre of the 90s <laughs> i think we should do a whole night wow. at some point anyway my, my
0: first one shall i tell you my first Go recommendation on, for our
2: culture club. actually there goes y'all. back to the
0: 1980s because this is wow. i'm so excited about this the janet jackson documentary oh, yes. now it's 40 yes. years would you believe since Don't be janet's it. first album so we're back to 1982 and do you know what the name of her first album was no janet jackson <laughs> Before she was even famous, famous. Oh, I mean, no, she would have well, been she famous was from the famous. 5, yeah, 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 exactly. And I think what's fascinating about this is it's like she's such a private person. And When you think about what, I mean, we know a fair bit about her and uh, things, but not... She's just pr- had a baby at 50, didn't she? I think well. she did. Or she's just yeah, she's 55 now. And, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so it's her wanting to kind of you know take control of the narrative around her history because she knows there'll be biopics yeah. through, all of this anyway and it ties in with it so it's it's on um it's called janet jackson this is my story this is my truth and it's on sky documentary uh channel from the end of january beginning of february i think so that is um How that exciting. is going to be one to watch do you have a favorite janet jackson it's a song? two-parter i think it's, it's a janet two-parter well, yeah, it? exactly.
2: yeah so it's again way back to the 80s which yeah I always thought Louis Theroux should do Janet Jackson. Yes, he probably did ask. And I think the other thing actually that just
0: popped into my mind about this is, do you remember all that awful Super Bowl stuff in 2004? And she was the one that was castigated for that. And obviously it was an accident. And I'm sure Justin Timberlake didn't mean to pull off her top and expose her rest but she was like disinvited from the grammys he right. wasn't Terrible. it's just awful isn't it so i think I we'll know. get a bit on that as well which i think is quite yes. fascinating so that's my first excited for janet pip. jackson
2: excited what about you number one i've got, on got your list? for your ears i've got an audio oh, thing okay. to listen to Go. um the podcast sweet bobby by tortoise okay. media it's in six parts, I think. It's the most extraordinary kind of live investigation. Mm-hmm. And things developed, as they were recording, into a catfisher. So you know what oh, a catfisher is. Yes. Someone who pretends to be someone else. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's both sad and heartbreaking, but kind of just so spellbinding, you can't stop listening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about Kira Assi, and she's um, 42 now. But she lost a decade of her life having a love affair with someone she never met Never met at all in person. Called Bobby. I can't. The twist in the tale is so. You, you just can't believe the twist in the tale. You just have to, I just had to rewind it and listen to it again. And I, yeah. I kept thinking, "I can't, this can't have happened. But it the way they tell it, it's so well done. The journalist who does it is so mm. thorough and so spectacularly good at weaving in the mystery. Mm-hmm. It really just kind of kept me there. And I think it's quite a good thing for a long car journey or yeah. a, one of those long walks. But it's a real sort of, it shows you how the mind can be manipulated in a spectacular mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So that's Sweet yeah. Bobby. Because I it just I think just needed. even understanding
0: how you can be catfished even before whatever the yeah. twist is. So there's two things I'm looking forward to and that would be really good. What right. have you got now then? Well, a vulture. next on my vulturing list. Well, I'm really pleased to say, you know, I've been moaning about I've lost my reading mojo. Well, it's back. Yes. Back with a Vengeance. And I love it when you discover writers that you should have probably known about 10 years ago yeah. and you didn't. And you're like, oh, I have found something new. And it's Tessa Hadley. Yes.
3: Have you
0: ever read her? She's got a new book out called Free Love. And she's a British author. She's in her 60s. And she'd been a teacher, a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and she's kind of admired by all the biggies, you know, from Zadie Smith to Hilary Mantel. And she's written eight novels and three collections of short stories. So I've got a lot of going back, which I can do. And she's sort of compared to those American writers like Anne Tyler and Alice Monroe, who I both love, and then the British writers like Elizabeth Taylor and Margaret Trouble. And this free love is, it's set in 1967 and it's about a woman who's a wife and a mother and she embarks on an affair with a man half her age. Mm. So that's going to be very interesting. And she's very good on women, relationships, marriages, long-term marriages, that kind of thing. So I think that will be a nice kind of interesting,
2: thoughtful read.
0: So a bit of free love, from free love to what's next
2: on yours? Wow. I'm gone a bit niche on this because okay. as you may know, Patti Smith is the love of my Oh, love. fabulous. <laughs> Yes, I completely devour anything to do with her. I've seen her live many, many times. I've met her. I've had her Mm -hmm. sign books. I'm obsessed. Um, I just think her story, her backstory Mm -hmm. is so extraordinary. Her work is so woven through fashion as well, so she's kind of been prominent in my life. Anyway, I've discovered um, a platform called Substack, which is essentially a newsletter platform, lovely Patty is on it, Patty 75, and she doesn't write much. But what she does mm-hmm. is record little videos and they yeah. drop into your inbox. So on a Monday morning, I might wake up and there'll be a little video and it feels like it's for me Oh, <laughs> from Pat- Patty. Oh, I love in that. that really lovely, reassuring voice. Mm. Sometimes she sings, she sings oh, a new song she might have nice written. She gets notes gorgeous. out of her pocket and reads yes. them. I just think it's the most, it's the loveliest, sort of softest thing. Mm-hmm. It's just... Somehow nicer than seeing her on Instagram or Facebook mm, or any of those. It Feels a bit more intimate. Yeah, and it's very quick and it's very small. And I yeah. think I'll oh, get on with my week. There's Patty Smith. Yeah. Um, there are some other things on there. There is a, there is a really brilliant parenting newsletter called um, Is My Kid an Asshole, which I really <laughs> love. <laughs> <laughs> and she put something up melinda i think she's called she put something up this week on the number of parents who've just got to this place of overwhelm and they're meeting in car parks and just getting out their cars and saying shall we scream now about how <laughs> exhausting this homeschooling on and off this chaos oh my is. goodness yeah so i like that as well but uh, my top tip substack Patty Smith. Okay. Now, just so Substack though, you pay for it, don't you? You subscribe you get to people. You get full, no, you right? get quite a lot of it free. Okay. And then yeah. you can go behind and pay. And I think it's the um parenting one I subscribed to was thirty pounds for the whole year, oh, okay. and you get you know you get Q and A and it's
0: supporting journalism, isn't it? And it's, it's brilliant. It's journalists. giving journalists a way to kind of actually survive and make some money.
2: Well, and, and also give control their free. own content, you yeah. know, and yeah. not have terrible headlines, not that, that grab your attention but aren't actually what the piece is about, which is... You know, it's getting worse and worse i think um but yeah. yeah it's a lovely thing so you can really root around and find out yeah anything on there and yeah. um, stuff to make you laugh where have well, you gone Wow, well, this is quite interesting because i i've also got an
0: american woman as my next around about the same age maybe a few years older than patty could not be more different and sort of epitomizes america you've got patty smith and then you've got tammy faye baker oh and tammy there's faye. the film the film is out it's called who's the who's playing tammy faye it's jessica Shasta who is amazing. Ooh, yes. It's the film's called The Eyes of Tammy Faye Baker and it's out beginning uh which is probably out any day now and she's uh playing Tammy Faye and Andrew Garfield is playing her husband Jim Baker and of course it's the the story they were the, the, the famous televangelists right? yeah. yes in the sort of 60s and 70s in America. Uh they were kind of called the Ken and Barbie of <laughs> televangelists and they kind of rose to fame And obviously it was all based a lot of, they were super, super, they came super, 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 super rich because they're kind of getting all these, you know, followers to donate all this money. And they kind of, uh, you know, sank into disgrace in the 80s with lots of fraud and different things like that. So that's really interesting. But there is this really interesting element about her because unexpectedly as a a tele-evangelist, she was incredibly supportive of the gay community and AIDS sufferers and was trying to make, you know, Christians, become compassionate about them rather than, you you know, outcasting them so that's quite interesting I do love a biopic I do you do do so I think I saw that's going to be quite
2: juicy <laughs> Jessica Chastain on Graham Norton actually talking oh, yes. about it and she mm-hmm. said just to get into the makeup and that I mean oh, yeah. the eye makeup oh god so <laughs> <extraordinary>. <laughs> something like four hours oh, to kind of transform yeah. her into that and yeah. can you imagine how long would it have taken Tammy Faye to get ready to go well, out exactly a lot oh, of hair like a lot of makeup yes I'm now, sure we've got one more well I'm going back to the kind of swindling but this is quite a glamorous one so the netflix and it's um shonda land so it's shonda rhymes has Mm -hmm. made this it's inventing anna which is how anna delvey tricked new york's Mm -hmm. party people there was a massive story um, of this kind of she was supposed to be a german heiress and she really she mostly swindled banks and she went to prison for fraud and she was just gathering up money for this alleged art gallery art foundation and everyone fell for it it was like fire mm. island mm-hmm. you know it's all of these kind of kind of almost fraud but not quite fraud yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm fascinated and it stars anna chomsky who is the blonde uh, lady in veep she's the really funny <gasps> oh yes person. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 has yeah. that horrible boyfriend on yes. yeah. i was wondering yeah. when she was going to pop up but it's a bit like elizabeth holmes isn't it the um yes. internet swindle as well that uh, just how you can get into that place <laughs> where everyone Believes you and hands over millions of pounds. I mean, it was millions of pounds. Anyway, the really interesting thing because Anna Delvey's real name was Anna Sorokin. Yes, it's that she is sorry, not sorry, Trish. Oh. She is out of prison. She did, yes. gave an interview to BBC Newsnight. She's thirty-one now. She was in her mid-twenties when it happened, and she's on Instagram and writing a book. Um, and she has no remorse about no, this. She's, she's saying, just gonna try and make a "I would have it. paid it back." Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't. They, I wasn't conning. I wasn't. swinging. It's, yes. it's really interesting. And she, one of her posts, she said, "My life is performance art." Oh, my teenager always says to me what what
0: she might also be described if she was uh, British and from the 1960s she got more front than Margate that one yes that's probably what they'd say oh, about her I don't they? think we ask for enough Trish no exactly we, we need to be more demanding get out there. now I've, demanding. I'm just going to do a very quick shout out because I don't know when this is out but I know you're going to be excited about this because we are the number one fans of mum aren't we oh that... Leslie Mandel oh Leslie Mandel in mum and the, the writer of that very show who's called Stephanie. Golazweski. He also wrote that really sweet Him and Her. He's writing a new show for the BBC called Marriage. And oh, it's oh, got oh. Nicola Walker and Sean Bean in it, and there, oh, it's about a kind right. of couple in a thirty-year marriage. So I cannot wait for that. So let's keep an eye out. Let's hope I'm that's on the Beeb very soon. Um, so th- I think that's the end, isn't it, of our little culture club roundup this month? We hope you liked it. Um, we will put recommendations on the f- private Facebook group and on our Instagram recommendations as well. But please do join up to Facebook, and you you can get all that info. Save your writing it down if if you're on the go doing a run in the park whatever listening to this um and if you work in the entertainment industry or you think you know something that's coming up that's perfect for gen x women who are listening here drop us a line at hello at postcards from midlife.com we don't want to miss anything do we lorraine no we've got to be the first first to know epicenter
2: She's a writer, broadcaster, menopause expert, skincare guru, podcaster, exercise evangelist, nutritional expert, magazine founder and editor, author of more than 35 books, a business and jewellery entrepreneur and an accomplished chef, a former farmer, an interiors enthusiast and a mum of five who also holds two honorary university
3: doctorates.
2: It's time to meet our guest, the OG, original wellness guru, Liz Earle, MBE. Trish and I often work with Liz during our 30-year career in glossy magazines and regard her as the expert's expert, less goop and more science-based facts alongside health and wellness advice that really works. An early advocate of the need for women to be prescribed HRT, her excellent 2018 book, The Good Menopause, was a bestseller, winning rave reviews. Liz, 58, is an artist supporter of several food-focused charities including the Soil Association and an ambassador for the newly launched Menopause Charity. Her day job is running her Liz Earle Wellbeing Empire which lives as a bi-monthly magazine, a YouTube channel, a lively Instagram account and a website community. She also hosts the weekly podcast Friday Five which tackles subjects with leading experts in their field and helps women navigate all aspects of their life. She commutes from London to her Wiltshire home on a weekly basis and shares her space with her three youngest children. Three years ago, Liz divorced her second husband and sold the family farm they had lovingly renovated. She is currently single. So it's been quite a period of change for Liz, but alongside discussing how to handle transitions today, we're going to capitalize on Liz's huge nutritional know-how to help you lead a healthier, happier midlife. Welcome to Postcards from midlife Liz Earl. It's very nice to be here thank you for having me. (laughs) Well we are very excited to have you here there's so many things we want to ask you because you've got this (laughs) huge amount of knowledge but first of all I'm going to take you back to young Liz journalist Mm. who's got an idea for a skincare brand. Where did you start your career how did it all begin?
3: Oh, my goodness. It started a long time, actually, before any idea of face cream. I I started as a junior in women's magazines, writing health and beauty um, for a magazine called Women's Journal about 35 years ago um, as a small child, obviously.
2: Yes. Um, (laughs) On on your teenage exchange program. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, and then I went from there, In I love writing, I love research, I really just uh, you know, found my, my niche if you like and very quickly went from magazines to writing books and it was at a time when health and beauty was just beginning to sort of be connected with the whole idea of wellness and well-being and these weird people called naturopaths and nutritionists were just starting and I just found the whole thing completely fascinating. So I wrote my first book over 30 years ago which was all about fats and oils in the diet which I I'm still completely passionate about. And then I've started doing daytime TV, went on this morning when that launched with Richard and Judy 32 years ago, um, still there, bizarrely, after 32 (laughs) years. And so I was doing all of that and had my own show on ITV. And actually, it was my girlfriend, Kim Buckland, who called me one morning and said, you know, I've I've got this idea. I think you should have a skincare brand because you know all about skin and you research and people know you from telly and they trust you. And to be really honest with you, Lorraine, my my first reaction was, no, I, I can't possibly do that. That's far too commercial. You know, I'm, I'm a writer, a researcher. Anyway, <laughs> Kim, long story short, she, she convinced me and, and she said, I remember her saying, you know, oh, it's fine, you know, it's, it's just gonna be like a side hustle. It won't take up too much of your time. Famous last words, because- yeah.
2: <laughs> it's massive.
3: Know, I have to say I'm still using the uh, cleanser yes. and hot cloth <laughs> yeah, combo. It was yeah. so
0: revolutionary at the time, and it's still, it's just gorgeous. You I, do as well, Liz. Twice a day, <laughs>
2: yeah, I swear by it. it.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose selling it in, in 2010, on the one hand, offered you financial security and the opportunities to do a whole host of other things that you love. Also must have been a little bit sad um, at the time
3: or, or not. Were you just glad to be moving on? Um, interestingly, I I think it would have been if it had been my one sole aim in life, Mm. but I think because it really genuinely wasn't my idea in the first place and I Mm -hmm. loved it and learned an enormous amount and learned a lot about the beauty industry, certainly from the inside, which has been very insightful and very interesting and, and relevant to what I do now, but it, it, it wasn't where I felt it was. It was right for me um and i absolutely am passionate about trying to live life in a better way and to pass that information on and also it you know to be honest it wasn't really just my decision um it's funny isn't it when you're a brand and your name is on the tin everybody else that's working with you tends to get overlooked or ignored. Mm -hmm. But Kim and I were very much co-founders together and we had lots of other people. We had stakeholders in the company and a management team, et cetera. So the decision to sell wasn't just mine alone to take. It was very much a group decision. And I was really pleased that it enabled me to get back to my roots really so mm-hmm. it's I'm super proud of it you know I, I have five kids and I often think that um, something like cleanse and polish is almost like my my sixth child yes. and I'm <laughs> extremely proud of having brought it into the world mm-hmm. and and watched it grow and expand and, and be loved by others but I'm also very happy when it moves on you know my oldest daughter she's married now and has her own home and her own life mm-hmm. and she's still mm-hmm. my daughter and I'm still very connected to her but she's you know finding her own way in the world and and I think so often that happens with brands. They, they become their own thing. They become far bigger and, and far more potent than, than just the brand founder who perhaps started it all off.
2: And for all those women out there, and there are a lot of them on our Facebook group, and I have to say I meet them all the time in my daily life who've got this idea to start a brand. What advice do you think you could give? What would you have maybe done differently or
3: what should you be thinking about if you're a woman who wants to
2: start your business now, a, a kind of entrepreneur?
3: I think you need to be entirely passionate about what you're doing um, because if it does go well, and obviously we all hope when we start a venture that it will go well, it will become all consuming. You know, it, it will take up the vast majority of your time, not to mention your finances and your energy. So unless you are totally passionate about it, you know, don't do it. Because if you're just thinking, yeah, well, you know, it'd be quite nice to do this, but you know, I'm not really too bothered. To me, that that doesn't work for, for any brand founder, you, you know, you really have to be kind of totally immersed in it. I mean, for me, That meant for for the skincare company, putting everything else to one side and, and just really focusing on that. And you just have to be prepared to do that. It has to be a real, real deep, deep rooted passion. And you also need to know your subject unbelievably well and not just rely on the university of google for information yeah you know you really have to drill down and know everything about your particular area inside out upside down back to front and and then some more because that's how you're going to build the firm foundation of a great brand is is through having that knowledge and often that takes time and i think some people particularly younger people perhaps are looking for something a bit quicker and I've always said in business, it's about, you know, you you crawl, you walk, and then you run. And if you're lucky, you get to sprint at the end. But you can't mm. really do that middle bit without all the crawling around on the ground to start with. And talking of
0: crawling, there were quite a lot of mothering years as well. Obviously, you've got five <laughs> children, as you mentioned. Yeah. The ages, uh, do you want to just talk us through that?
3: Yes, I mean, I, I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't set out to have five children. Mm-hmm. Um, my first two were from my first marriage, and so they're now 31 and 28 Mm -hmm. and after I had them I thought well this is lovely you know this is this is my family I've got one of each boy and a girl that's all great and then 10 years later I remarried and I was in my late 30s and thought actually do you know what yes go on let's let's have let's Mm -hmm. have let's have another one Um, and we ended up having a boy and a girl which was absolutely brilliant and then in my late 40s There was a surprise, an unexpected (laughs) blessing. So Mm -hmm. they are all quite spread out. And that, I think, has made parenting a lot easier for me in many ways. I mean, there's certainly challenges, which I'm sure we'll talk about with older children. But certainly in the early days, I had super helpful, hands-on, you know, older siblings that were only too keen to help with feeding and, you know, winding and nappy changing and oh. babysitting and staying up late oh. at night and all of that, you know, my youngest became almost the, the family mascot, which was, which was <laughs> lovely having, having that late baby. He was just an oh. absolute treasure. still is. Oh, so the he, eldest, sorry, is 31 and the youngest mm-hmm. is he's 11. Yes. Oh. There's, there's a 20 year. Okay. 20 year yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: But, so you, know, you would I, have I, been I, what 47, I think when you had. Yeah. I was youngest. 47, yeah. nearly 48. <laughs> Um, Were you going through perimenopause or menopause at that point? Where were you in that mix?
3: Well, I definitely was, but hadn't really realized it. Um, I was still having periods, but, you know, sort of slightly sporadic. And I'd actually had a big medical for work because it was around the time when we were selling the beauty company. So I had to go through all these sort of key man insurances and all that kind of thing. So I had a super in depth medical, which involved lots of blood tests. And as part of that, the I remember the doctor saying to me, just as an aside, oh, by the way, you know, your hormones are really low and, you know, your, your childbearing years are behind you for sure. So I said, oh, that's fine. You know, I've got four beautiful children. That's, that's no problem. <laughs> so I think, to be honest with you, with that information, I I kind of took my eye off the ball a bit. <laughs> and uh, and so then when I did get pregnant, I'd been spending a lot of time um, going backwards and forwards across the Atlantic. We were working with a lot of American companies at the time of the sale and so i was living on adrenaline and stress and black coffee and late nights and lots of sort of due diligence paperwork and crossing time zones and and i think i just sort of lost track of of everything and after about I don't know, three months. I thought, well, that's weird. I haven't had a period for a while, but you know, I guess that's just you know, time of life. Anyway, you know, the weeks went on, and I just thought, hold on a minute. I I, I recognize this feeling, and did a pregnancy test. Really, not expecting it to be positive and just was, you know, was blown away really by the result. I mean, because it wasn't what I expected. And I thought, and by then I was nearly sort of 20 weeks pregnant. And I just felt so foolish in a way because having had four of them already, not to <laughs> recognize the signs, but it shows what happens when you're busy and you're not paying attention.
2: Yeah. And, and your perimenopause menopause journey is, is, I mean, you basically are the expert now that the book you wrote, Sort of was way
3: ahead of its time, oh, well, really. Well, I'm one one of those who who, who talk about it, yeah. So,
2: how, how did you find out about that? Because you're a really you've you've been a strong advocate of uh, hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and al- also the lifestyle changes and nutritional changes, etc. Yeah. So, to talk us through your. HRT menopause journey then because obviously having a baby that late it sort of throws you out a little bit doesn't yeah
3: it? It, it it definitely did so I didn't have the classic menopause journey and I've never had a hot sweat or or, or a, you know a night sweat or a hot flush so the, you know I, I I have lots of other symptoms looking back when I track back the crippling headaches that I used to get yeah. and I had tinnitus mm. and um, insomnia and, you know, racing heartbeat palpitations, which I just kind of put down to anxiety and stress without, you know, realizing mm. as I do now looking back that they were lower oestrogen caused by lower oestrogen. And I'd written a series of books um, about 20 years ago called Quick Guides, and I wrote them on all different aspects of life. So I did quick guides to pregnancy and postnatal health and all sorts of things, aromatherapy and cellulite and lots of different topics. And one of those was Quick Guide to Menopause. And I wrote it at a time when, to be honest, I didn't know a huge amount about it. So I was just going on the literature that was available at the time, including things like the now debunked Women's Health Initiative yeah. in America that, that kind of said that HRT was so dangerous. So when I decided to revisit the menopause as a subject for a book, I was in that world of old data Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, contacting Dr. Louise Newson, who was beginning to make a name for herself as the menopause doctor and one of the preeminent specialists in the UK. And I sent her some information and some stuff that I'd written to, to fact check. And she came back quick as a flash saying, well, I'm really sorry, Liz, but I hate to tell you, but the majority of this is wrong. (laughs) And that was a real shock for me. I thought because, you know, I pride myself on being evidence based and I will always have everything checked by an expert anyway, obviously, Mm -hmm. before it's published. So I said, well, talk me through it, because this is not where I my understanding is and anyway we we became uh, very good friends and uh, and she had put me in the right direction and and con- gave me so much information and put me in touch with all sorts of uh, professors and people in america and i very very quickly realized that there'd been this massive healthcare injustice scandal mm-hmm. absolute scandal which is ongoing and yes. sadly as we know there are so many more parts to it now than we ever knew before and i guess i just became really passionate about it having been slightly concerned that I didn't really want to associate myself with menopause. Yeah. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really honest with you. I mean, this is going back sort of like six years or so, as you say, it's quite early. And if you mentioned menopause, it was associated with being all sorts of dried up and decrepit mm-hmm. and unreliable and past mm. it and old. And that, I didn't feel that applied to me at all, but I, the more I talked about it, the more I realized that it was important to talk about it and to normalize those words just as we'd normalize words like you know periods which you know back in the day when I grew up you'd never even mention it out loud let alone mm-hmm. kind of in company and the same I think is true of menopause we've gone through this enormously quick shift which is great in society that women do feel able to talk about it but of course we need to do more because we need to get the information the proper evidence-based information out there that actually helps women and, and doesn't hinder them. Now you're Fifty eight. No 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 no, you've you got that wrong. You must be talking about somebody else. We're we're <laughs> well, always like tied seven, I think. <laughs>
2: We've we've had women over sixty on the show, several women, and they say this is it's going to be amazing. You're nearly there, and I'm a bit of a fan of the death mask, though, so I'm slightly maudlin about the whole thing. <laughs> I'll be eor. What's your attitude to heading towards this next big fabulous decade ahead of you?
3: I'm really excited, actually. I think um, I think there's a huge amount that that women can look forward to for a better second half, and for me personally, and I hope that this is what comes across on my social media as well. Well, is that it's about how do we gear up for a better second half? Because if you look at the life of most women, not all, but if you look at the majority, we spend our younger years as carers, we're perhaps bringing up family, younger children, we're caring for teenagers, we might be looking after elderly parents, we're carving our way in the world, we might be having our careers. And kind of personal care almost gets pushed right down the priority pile. It's just so tragic that then when we do have some time, maybe from 50s onwards to start thinking about ourselves, when a lot of these ties were, we're perhaps freer from, that's when our hormones have conspired against us and, yeah. and we feel less able. But if we can get that sorted out and sort out our gut health and our fitness and our mental health, you know, I think we we can rock into the second half of life. And that's mm-hmm. certainly my intention. And mm-hmm. certainly everything I, I do at well Wellbeing is geared towards having a better second half. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel stronger, fitter, happier now in my 50s than I ever did in my younger years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I agree with that, Liz. I do. I do as well. Um- since being on hrt and getting my exercise yeah. right and my Absolutely. eating right but you've you've actually also used this decade the 50s to make some really big life decisions, didn't you? You um, sold this incredible house that you had that was your family home, that you painstakingly renovated, you went through a divorce. There must have been a lot of emotional um, learnings and thoughts that you were having through that part uh, of your life and what you were aiming to kind of get right and get set for the next stage. What could you share with anybody going through similar things.
3: Yes, definitely. And I think for me, you know, nobody gets married to gets divorced and Mm. and it's always a a tragedy and a heartbreak uh, and difficult when it happens, even in the best divorce. And and mine was actually, you know, relatively good. In fact, we're we're about to go on holiday together with my youngest. So, Mm. you know, it it is very amicable, um, but still very, difficult. And I think for me, you know, we've been separated for about five years. So it wasn't an overnight thing. And I guess that the legal bit of it was just sort of the the end bit of the, the finality. And so during those years, we both of us had a lot of time to process and to come to terms with what we were doing and to make sure that we were both, you know, very strongly co-parenting. Um, and I think it helped that neither of us had anybody else involved so that, you know, there, mm-hmm. it wasn't really, you know, that there, there was no real animosity, which which I think is, is helpful in my particular case. And in terms of moving on from the farm, yes, I mean, that was a big wrench. We had spent been there for about 15 years and developed it we, we bought a derelict farm and we breathed new life into it and we had super happy years there bringing up the children but you know the children had all all by one the youngest actually moved on you know two had left home my eldest two in their 20s at the time were living away my middle two were away at university and essentially not really there very much so it was probably time to downsize anyway so I think Mm -hmm. for me personally that made it easier and I know that's not the case for a lot of people Um, but I think all I can say is that you just have to give yourself time to process and I remember talking to Julia Samuel who's a, a great grief counselor. she's been on the show yeah, yeah. She, I love her she's a, a good friend of mine we, we live relatively close to each other in the west country and sometimes go on lovely thoughtful walks together and you know she made the point that actually grief isn't always about bereavement it's about any kind of loss mm-hmm. and it can be loss of your job it can be loss of your marriage loss of your relationship Um, loss of health and you do have to allow yourself time to grieve and time to refocus I guess.
2: But were you scared Liz because it's quite a big thing to step out of you know you you have a routine you've got your children you've got the home and it's kind of it's it's huge to step out of that and be essentially on your own and I know a lot of midlife women find it a very lonely time even when they're in a relationship. Were you fearful of loneliness (laughs) at all?
3: Mm -hmm. no and I mean that's a very interesting point isn't it that you know you know being in in a relationship that's not right for you is is one of the loneliest places in the world Mm -hmm. to be actually so no I didn't feel lonely I guess my my five children uh, don't allow me to feel lonely and and my, my work as well and maybe that's the way I'm wired I think a lot of entrepreneurs are used to change I mean, we've all had to deal with change, haven't we, in the last couple mm-hmm. of years and use this, you know, dreadful word pivot. We've pivoted into all sorts of things. And I know actually, through building the beauty company, I can remember in the early days of that when we went from a really small team, when it was just Kim and myself and a couple of people, you know, stuffing jiffy bags. We built it into a team of sort of more than a thousand people. And managing change is actually one of the hardest things because some people thrive on it um, and Mm -hmm. others simply can't cope at all. They feel very discombobulated by it. And managing any kind of change in your life, I think, is is a good asset to have. And I think a lot of brand founders have that because they need to, because nothing stays the same. Mm -hmm. And being able to cope with change and adapt and think positively about it um, Mm -hmm. and always find... Find the good things and the excitement because change always brings opportunity. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. you know, you can, you can look at the downside, you can be the eel in the mm-hmm. conversation. Oh, I love change myself. <laughs> I've,
2: I've always <laughs> so found bad it bad. very difficult when people don't change alongside me exactly the same speed. <laughs> what the hell? Why are they just exciting? I'm just an ear about not having 5,000 years left. That's yeah. my plan. <laughs> I won't oh. win an Olympic medal now because they have run out of time. <laughs> it's annoying. Now, I want Liz's guide to eating and living well. And I thought we would start by asking you about something which we get asked about. I mean, it literally came up today on our Facebook group again in midlife, nutritional supplements. <laughs> Now, you've done so much research in this area. As a kind of expert on this and all the people you've talked to on your podcast, what do you think we should be taking? Turmeric?
3: Is it magnesium? Is it vitamin D? What are your thoughts, Liz? I think there are things that we do definitely need, particularly as midlife women. Starting off, I think, with vitamin D is something that everybody Mm -hmm. needs. And even the government, you know, the dear old government recommends that everybody has a vitamin D supplement. So I think you can take that as a given. I think it also depends on what you get from your diet. So I I eat meat, I eat dairy, I eat fish, I eat eggs. So I don't feel that I need to supplement with B12 or iron or choline or iodine or all those essential nutrients that if you are not eating all those things regularly, then you would need to supplement in some way, definitely. Um, I think omega-3s are fundamental and very interesting research showing that omega-3s are actually... Can be viewed really as a probiotic. They have a huge impact in the gut and a huge impact on the brain, cognitive function. I've definitely upped my intake of omega-3 right. since, um, since researching so many, you know, interviewing so many neuroscientists, for example. And I think there's interesting research coming out with Alzheimer's and cognitive function and memory loss and uh, dementia. So even though I do do eat quite a lot of oily fish, I do take an omega-3 as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a a fish eater, if you're a plant-based eater, do make sure that your omega-3 is coming from algae
1: because some supplements
3: for vegans are are based on flaxseed and although that contains a form of omega-3 it doesn't convert to the DHA which is the bit that your brain needs so it must be an algae-based supplement Mm -hmm. if if, if you're a vegan so those are my kind of non-negotiable standard nutrients and then Mm -hmm. layered onto that I take magnesium Mm -hmm. So I think most of us in this country are suffering from a magnesium deficiency due to food processing and intensive agriculture and farming. And just the needs being greater, perhaps, than many of the original researchers looking at magnesium realize. So magnesium is super helpful for stress and anxiety. It helps you sleep by taking magnesium supplement every night before bed. Um, and if I don't, I can really feel it in the morning. Mm-hmm. I know so that. you take it in the evening. You don't have to mm. take it in the morning, right? Oh, got it. I've been taking mine I mean, in the morning, Trish. Well, <laughs> you, you, can, you can take it whenever, but I find an hour before bed, then it's really at its maximum in in the (laughs) bloodstream while we sleep overnight. And then you get into all the really interesting things, which I'm completely fascinated by. And this, I guess, is straying into the territory of biohacking when we look at the supplements that can help us to age well. So one of the things that I now take religiously every morning is a supplement called NMN, which links um, yes. to our mitochondria in our cells and our sirtuins, which are factors that are associated with longevity, mm-hmm. kind of in a nutshell. And it's also giving you energy. It releases energy in the body. And it's a bit suspicious because I take a form that comes in a little bag. It's a white powder. And right. you take <laughs> Back
2: to the 90s, form. Trish. <laughs>
3: small amount under the tongue and it makes you feel amazing mm-hmm. so uh, but I am sure that it's completely legal uh, nutrient okay. and it, it does have very good evidence based um, right. behind it so, mm-hmm. so that I, I take that first thing in the morning and then turmeric I think is excellent but you need a lot of it oh, so okay. just cooking with a bit of turmeric isn't really going to do it if you want it for its anti-inflammatory properties I take a supplement called NatriFlex, which is like the equivalent of an entire jar of turmeric in, in just a couple of capsules. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I'm really interested in some of the adaptogenic herbs, so ashwagandha. Has got some extraordinary research uh, surrounding it. And it's a herb that crosses multidisciplines. So it's very popular. It started in Ayurvedic medicine thousands of years ago. It's used in traditional Chinese medicine. It's used in Western herbalism. And it has a very powerful, profound effect on our central nervous system. And being an adaptogenic, it's a bizarre thing in that it can pick you up if you need a tonic, but it can also calm you down if you're feeling Mm. um, overstressed. Mm. so I feel better for taking that and certainly if you look on PubMed all that the studies on ashwagandha are pretty solid um, so that's something that I've added in more recently.
0: And there's a lot of buzz isn't there about collagen um, supplements mm-hmm. and I think as midlife women we're thinking oh if we take collagen supplements it's going to make our faces plumper
3: and it's going to replace all the collagen. Well collagen definitely declines as we age and so by the time we hit our 40s 50s we're already much much lower in natural collagen than we were in our 20s and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why all our lovely fresh-faced young teens and 20-somethings look so glowing. It's because their skin is naturally full of collagen. So it is something that's worth replacing, definitely. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, a lot of the clinical studies on collagen were carried out by pharmaceutical companies back in the 60s and 70s, and they were looking at collagen for arthritis. Mm -hmm. It was patent collagen, so it's much more profitable for them to sell us uh, anti-arthritis drugs. So a lot of that information was just sort of cast by the side. But then, of course, it resurfaced with more interest, I guess, from the the beauty world. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: the issue with collagen is that if you take collagen, marine peptides Mm -hmm. or bovine peptides, they get broken down by the stomach. We have hugely strong stomach acids. So they get broken down into their amino acids. So the the key is to really get the collagen into the system in as unbroken form as possible and I have done quite a bit of research on it and I like the encapsulated form Mm -hmm. of collagen Mm -hmm. because the the encapsulation can help it survive the stomach acids and get it down into the lower levels of the digestive system where it can be released and it can actually do more work so I take collagen every day I take four collagen capsules and I find them hugely beneficial Mm -hmm. it's difficult isn't it when when you do so many different things yeah to, to strip out exactly what it What's is working. Work. Yes. Yes. I use lots of different things, mm-hmm. but together they all seem to work mm-hmm. really well. Can I ask you about histamines?
2: Because I did. I, I mm. did listen to one of your fascinating podcasts on that because I developed quite a severe shellfish allergy in my um, mid 40s, completely out of the blue, out of nowhere. Um, and my mum had developed a nut allergy. In her 50s as well and there's quite a lot of thinking around histamines but what where are you on that what what do you know about histamines in levels in our body
3: well histamine's actually been a bit of a journey for for my family and for me uh, my oldest daughter lily has a very mm. serious autoimmune issue and one of the factors of that has been histamine And it's linked to something called MCAS, which is mast cell activation syndrome, which is also linked to other disorders like ME, fibromyalgia, POTS, you know, many of these sort of very hard to treat unexplained Mm -hmm. conditions, even long COVID. And histamine, is, plays a big role in that. I mean, it's part of our immune system. So we actually need a little bit of histamine because it's it's part of that immune response. And that's why the body responds to uh, an aggressor like a you know, mosquito bite, for example, you know, it produces a reaction. So we do need some histamine. Yeah. But for some people, it can be tipped right over the edge and following a low histamine diet can be revolutionary. So Mm. unfortunately, a lot of the things that we think are really healthy, if you are histamine sensitive, they're the worst things that you can eat. So things like avocados, spinach, tomatoes, (laughs) seeds, yeah, really very, very high in histamine. There's a very interesting Swiss website and um, if you look it up online you'll find that you can download a histamine chart with all the histamine forming foods and it gives you like a, a red amber green checklist of, of safe foods and I have it pinned up on my fridge so that when Lily comes to eat with us I can just check through the list because it's very sp- specific some herbs and spices will encourage histamine others will suppress it so it's something that is really worth looking into if you do have any kind of allergic reaction and one way to tell is if you react really badly to mosquito bites for example that's an indication that your histamine levels are slightly out of control
2: really um, mine are like footballs they've only got, to come. Well, there they've you got to go. go. past me 10 yards away and suddenly I've swollen up yeah <laughs>
3: OK, it's we'll so try it. it? No, yeah. Seriously, go and have a look. We've got a very good article actually on Lizzo right. which is it. all about histamine and you know how to recognize the symptoms and what to do about it. And it, it, you can control it with diet. It's very boring. I know. Um, but you can also get there's a very good supplement called DAO and <laughs> DAO is the enzyme that blocks histamine production. So, for example, if Lily is going out for an an amazing dinner, I mean, I I took her out for her birthday to we went to an Asian restaurant, went to Ivy Asia, Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. But she knew in advance that the food was going to be full of histamine. And so she took DAO. And it also means that you can drink wine, because unfortunately, wine is also full Mm. of histamine. I I feel terrible. Yeah. But if, if you take DAO, it then suppresses that reaction and it's, you, you can find that online. It's, it, it's a good supplement to take. So, you know, all is not lost, but certainly cutting out the histamine forming foods can be really helpful for a lot of people.
0: You mentioned, Liz, that you you eat meat, you eat fish, you eat dairy, um, all of those things, which some people might be surprised about in our kind of plant, vegan-obsessed world. Uh-huh. But for you, um, and obviously food is very high in your agenda when you're thinking about your children and Lily in particular. I mean, are you a fan of cooking? Are there things that you have in your diet that
3: are sort of non-negotiable you have to have those every day because they you know they're going to do you some good or whatever the things you will always find in my house you'll always find eggs organic free-range eggs I used to have hens at the farm now I I buy eggs from local people who keep chickens and Mm -hmm. for me I start the day with a couple of eggs most days and that has is is a really key thing actually whether you eat eggs or whether you eat anything else that's high fat so greek yogurt mm-hmm. nuts seeds avocado you know starting the day with some high fat healthy fats rather than carbs mm-hmm. really helps to control insulin spikes and in sugars throughout the day so so that's my kind of go to I'm a big fan of fermented foods. I've written a lot about gut health. So I always have kefir on the go. Or me too, I I love it. With kefir. Mm -hmm. Yep. Always gotta have kefir, kombucha, always got a scoby in the kitchen. Um, so kimchi in in the cupboard all those sort of fermented things but I have to say though interesting that you say you love it Lorraine because they're also high in histamine no yes I'm sorry (laughs) Sorry. oh my
2: goodness I'm a medical mystery because my tummy's always (laughs) sore and the kefir stopped it being
3: sore and now I've it might be okay kefir may (laughs) be okay but it's probably more the um, the the kombuchas and the kimchis and Mm. sauerkrauts the pickley type things that that might be upsetting you so sorry mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> I really would say to our listeners to listen to your podcast, because you really do go to
2: experts in depth, modern, up-to-date research. What have you learned, particularly stuff that's relevant to midlife women? What do you think the main things you've learned that have changed um, your health and well-being from the podcasts?
3: I think I've learned to really, uh, it's almost not too strong a word to say, to demonize sugar. The sugar and the carbs, there is no redeeming feature, I'm afraid, about sugars and so destructive and disruptive, ultra processed foods, you know, we know that they are deliberately manufactured and manipulated to make us crave them more. They, they link to dopamine receptors in the brain so that we, and and our gut microbes, they're these microbes called Firmicutes in the gut that are like the bad guys. If you think about our gut microbes as being divided into good guys and bad guys, and you want to increase the good guys because they block inflammation and they help with the vagus nerve, the neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. that keep us calm and produce serotonin and dopamine. But conversely, you've got the bad guys, and I envisage them as like little kind of ninjas in the gut and they thrive on sugar and they love it. And sugar feeds them, it arms Mm -hmm. them, it equips them. And once they're equipped, they will tell your brain to eat more sugar because they want to survive. They want to win the war that's going on in your microbiome. So I am really conscious much more so than ever on limiting sugars. And if I do want to eat sugars, I'm, you know, I do eat sugars, I do yeah. puddings and things like that, but I'm very careful with with when, because mm-hmm. if you want to have some sugary things, make sure you have some fat, some good healthy fats first. So, for example, for, you know, for breakfast, you know, the worst thing you could do is jump out of bed and have a big bowl of glycemic index spiking cornflakes followed by mm-hmm. some jam on toast. Um, but if you wanted to have a bit of jam on toast, if you have your, your scrambled eggs first, and then mm-hmm. a bit of jam on toast, that will help to, to mitigate that. So, yeah, I yeah. think, you know, sugars, sugars are the big thing, not being afraid of fat. Yeah, Fat is our friend. And it was, I guess... It was really heartwarming for me to come back to my first book. The first book I ever wrote was called Vital Oils, and I wrote it during the 80s kind of wow. being vindicated and, and, you know, to yeah. say that fats are our friend yeah. and not trans fats, obviously, not yeah. seed oils, but the healthy it's, fats. It's
0: back to our mothers again. All they've had to go through with all of that and with all of, like, incorrect menopause information and diet oh. information, it's like, oh, we're so lucky, really, aren't we, being well, this generation that we have access to all this information, these products. To
3: be enlightened and, and to be informed. Mm. And yet, on the other hand, never has you know, the food and pharma industry being more mm-hmm. powerful and more mm. pervasive and more controlling with their lobbying in parliament and all of that, you know, you walk into any hospital and all you can get out of a vending machine is oh, is ridiculous. cola drinks yeah. and, and chocolate bars. And you think, how on earth was mm-hmm. that allowed to happen? um so you know there's an awful lot that we have yet to do yes we're beginning to understand and unravel but we we yeah. do need to kind of rise up and and try and rebut a lot of the, the stuff that's mm-hmm. being forced upon us
0: well maybe you could take that on as your your next project yes. somebody needs to sort out the hospitals as oh, you say <laughs> but uh, talking of next projects what have mm-hmm. you got coming up that our listeners might be interested in following
3: well there's a lot to do still Mm -hmm. on menopause and so many scandals yet to be addressed you know the battle to get testosterone for women Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is a you know it's a natural hormone come on guys we make testosterone we lose it in later years we're just asking for our hormones back
1: that's Mm -hmm. all we're
3: asking for it's not that it should not be that hard that complicated so that's definitely a fight worth fighting. So I turn 60 next year. Mm-hmm. So for me, that that is kind of a big milestone. And I'm planning a book, mm-hmm, uh, which I'm just sort of scoping out now, uh, which is going to be really about how to have a better second half. My publishers did point out to me that if I was 60, having a better second half meant that I was intending to live till I was 120. <laughs> and I, well, you know, yeah. I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, and, you know, I have good genes, which is, which is fortunate. A lot of obviously how our lives are controlled is, is regulated by our genes. And my great grandmother was 102 and then died because she had a fall, not because she was mm-hmm. sick. And so if you look at the advancements in nutrigenomics and what we're understanding about our DNA and how to live well, I think there's, there's every chance actually. So I'm, I'm going to go for it, barring mm-hmm. the proverbial falling under a bus, obviously. Oh.
2: Well, that's cheered up, Eeyore. I think if I can live to 120, maybe I could squeak an Olympic medal in somewhere along that line in an in an well, age group related. To, um, what 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 could you do?
3: Because when. Oh, is it swimming? I'm sure you can get some kind of old person swimming medal. That's yes. the, well, the, I'm sure. F- flag waving and, and ping pong and things. Well, I mean, what's I'm, that
2: like, funny thing you do on the ice with the curling? What's curling. curling. I curling. could do that. We could maybe. do a bit of curling. That'd be fun. <laughs> star team are you going
3: to have a massive massive party for your 60th list oh my good! well assuming we're not all in lockdown with the next variant then yes i think definitely great
2: Um, (laughs) good for you that's
0: all
3: invited
2: well thank you so
3: much for coming on postcards
2: from midlife i i just think you've you've really over the years worked so hard Mm. on behalf
3: of women so i want to thank you for that as well well well, thank you that's that's really nice of you to say And, and i think it's it is teamwork You know, Mm -hmm. I look at what you guys do. I look at what so many women are doing. And I think, you know, how you tell the strong, decent women are the ones who lift others, you know, as Mm -hmm. they rise. And there's way too much, you know, bitchiness and competitiveness. And it doesn't have to be like that. There is room for everybody. We're all on the same side. We're all on the same team. And it's Mm -hmm. just about making life that little bit easier and better for everybody, but especially for midlife women who've been dealt a bum rap for too many years. So it's an absolute delight to connect with you. Thank you.
2: We have hit Nostalgia Noodle. I'll step back in time. Trish, where have you gone?
0: I've gone back to the horrific school playgrounds of the 1970s. (laughs) Do you remember how, you know, when you were like going to play a game and someone had to be it? Do you remember how you used to decide who was it? No. In a supposedly fair way. No. Uh, Ip dip do, doggy done a poo, cat did a wee wee, out goes
2: you. I, I no. don't think that
3: happens.
2: <laughs> I think maybe only in a in, small suburb of North London. Uh,
0: North London. Really? Really? Okay, so that was that was the sort of I uh, kind of tamer one, but the actual yes. one w- we used in my <laughs> Catholic comprehensive. It did dog shit. You trod in it, oh, and then you, nice. if you were it, <laughs> do you, know you imagine explaining that to your teenage? I they know.
2: Just would look exactly. at you. Exactly, like you were mad. They would say that's explains everything. Yes.
0: So how did you choose who was going to be
2: it oh, when you I were playing? It or whatever? No. No, I don't think, I don't know if that happened on that scale. I think someone might have volunteered in a kind of, (laughs) you know, may as well. Half-hour, yes, or well, yeah. No, I think, it, I
0: think the idea was it was supposed to, uh, you know, um, be a fair way of deciding, but of course, it wasn't fair because you could just no. pick them, you know, you just work out who's going to be fifth. There <laughs> was always, you know, Queen Bee doing it as well, oh, she'd get gosh. to choose, and it'd her. be your turn, and all her of that again, anyway. Like it her. did If anybody else has heard of it, please do reassure me, I'm not going mad and having strange false <laughs> memories. <laughs> You could tell us uh, okay. in the usual ways. But yes, okay, so enough of that. That sure didn't resonate one bit. But there no, we go. Sorry. Is yours going to
2: resonate? Tell well, me. I hope so. I hope so. I'm just going to say hip and thigh diet to you, Trish. Oh. Not because oh. you need to hip and thigh anything. No. But do you remember Rosemary Conley? Is it Rosemary Conley? Yes, Rosemary. I do. I now. do. The thing about Rosemary Conley is. It has been fifty years Ooh, this year of her. A Fifty-year
0: anniversary, as you've been talking about on this show.
2: It's, it's interesting, 50. though, isn't it? It's a big number. Yes. I know. How long have we known about mm-hmm. Rosemary? So she's been. She's still doing them. She's in her 70s. I think she's 75. She's still doing the classes. And um, she was saying that she's got a member who's been coming for 46 years. Oh, wow. Wow. It's not working, is it, if you've been going for 46 (laughs) years? I mean, I thought, that's an astounding fact. And then I thought, hold on a minute, there's something wrong with that fact. Put my science brain on, Trish. Put Mm my science brain on. But do you sort of remember all of those kind of, I mean, that whole... Different changing diets and calorie counting that we were put through as women in those days. All those things we had to be aware, you know, on top of everything else, we had to know how many calories was in everything we were eating. Exactly. I'm
0: so glad that Liz has, our lovely Liz, who we've just been talking to, has given us all that those yeah. common sense on top of all of that instead but lovely rosemary good for you there in yeah. the early
2: days well done rosemary just keep just shows you can keep going if you keep want going. to can't keep you going yeah.
0: right so we are at the end we have reached the final words of postcards from midlife as we always say at this point in the show new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and uh, we really appreciate it if you can make sure to download your episodes because that just helps us tot up all our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us
2: too marvellous Trish marvellous and please tell all your friends about us Um, we want as many women as possible to join our private Facebook group and our midlife conversation it's where it's all at isn't it Trish it is epicentre epicentre so if you're not a member come over and join in the chat yes and you can use it to post any
0: feedback on the topics we discuss in the shows as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talked about or celebrities and experts you might like to hear interviewed and you can email us as well at hello at postcardsfromidlife.com or we'll pop a little message on the Instagram. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?